0: Thank you for listening to Remodeling Mastery by Mark G. Richardson, produced by Sharefire Local. Over 50,000 people have listened to Mark's podcast series specifically for home improvement businesses. You can subscribe to this podcast on any mobile phone using iTunes, Google Play, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. Hi, I'm Mark Richardson, and welcome to Remodeling Mastery. Remodeling Mastery is a podcast series that's designed to help you take your business to the next level. Generally, we're so busy today, we don't really spend time really thinking about the business. We're just doing the business. What I try to do is take different topics, themes that I think you ought to be at least considering and thinking about, as well as we have interviews of remodeling thought leaders out there in the industry that either have done something that is very interesting and innovative, or they've grown their business to a level that just gaining some of those insights is valuable to you. Today, I want to be talking about a topic that I'm seeing out there a lot, and that's oftentimes exists in business throughout, and that's the whole subject of tailwinds and headwinds. This podcast series is supported by NARI, the National Association of Remodeling Industry, as well as Professional Remodeler Magazine and my good friends at Surefire Local. Today, as I said, I want to be talking about this notion of what are the influences and the effects of your business. You know, oftentimes when I'm talking to a remodeler or remodeling owner, they're usually either bragging about how well they're doing, or in fact, they're complaining or they're concerned about how poorly they're doing. The real question is, is that a product of them being good or is that a product of them bad or is it a product of the headwinds and the tailwinds out there? Just like I think in life, if you're a sailor or you're a cyclist, if you have a big tailwind, then it's oftentimes going to help you not only to Uh, move along more quickly and certainly more efficiently and be able to go much much further but it's also going to allow you to kind of enjoy the ride this is also true if you have a headwind i know when i get out and and do some cycling and i've got a major headwind then it completely changes the way you feel about in that ride and how effective you are so Rather than kind of speak about this just metaphorically, let's talk about it in terms of some things I'm seeing within the business. And let's start with those tailwinds. So start with those things that really have you feeling good about how well you're doing. But is it in fact a tailwind or is it in fact you're doing well because of your own success? So the first one I want to touch on is consumer confidence. Consumer confidence probably drives home improvement dollar spending as much or more than ever. Now, we can watch, and there are direct factors that go into consumer confidence ratings that that usually you can kind of uh, take a look at, and if you have an understanding of what they are, you're going to actually be better. So one of them is home appreciation. If homes are appreciating, then probably the homeowner is feeling good about themselves because it's their greatest asset, but it also gives them, I think, more motivation to pick up the phone and call and do home improvement. The second is low interest rates. You know, if interest rates are low and they're very, very stable, then chances are, I think, people can uh, invest. Now, if there's a fear of interest rates going up, then that also might be a reason for people to get in touch with you. So again, another little tailwind. Good stock market numbers. You know, if I'm seeing some wealth that's being built out of the stock market, then I might want to take some money off the table and invest it in, into my home low unemployment. You know, most of your clients certainly have a job, but the fact that there's low unemployment or unemployment ratings are very low, then that at least allows them to feel like they're going to have a job next year and therefore investing in their home is really much greater. So this whole notion of the consumer confidence being strong, that might be pushing them to phone to actually proceed with projects, not necessarily because of your processes or your systems or your overall quality of product and service being better. Another, I think, tailwind that sometimes we see out there is we get a whale-type project swimming into the business. All of a sudden, you see this project or this sale come in, It could have been just a fluky kind of thing, and your numbers are at or above what you projected them to be, but it's not necessarily because all your marketing efforts are good. It's not necessarily because your sales close rates are good. It's really because of this larger project that came in, and that, I think, can oftentimes be a little bit of a tailwind, but it also can be a little bit of a false positive of really how well you're doing. Another tailwind could be that you happen to have one or two top performers or one or two performers on your team, either in sales or production, that are really just having a great year. As a result of that, it could be on the production side, higher GP. And again, it's throwing off a lot of the other numbers in GP that aren't necessarily so successful. Another tailwind that I see out there in this industry is also related to the weather. And that is, you know, you could have a tremendous amount of rain, for example, and that's causing certain problems which cause people think about how do they fix their home. You also could have a storm related to a hurricane or tornado or fire or something that all of a sudden your business is picking up and you're feeling very, very good about things. But again, it's not necessarily you, it's more of an environmental condition. And then lastly, there could be some sort of corporate event happening in your marketplace like Amazon moving their headquarters into the marketplace or some sort of event that is all of a sudden really turned up the heat created either the confidence or has people wanting to renovate their home to add more value into their home so those five really represent some tailwinds so let me talk about the flip side You know, what are some of the headwinds that are out there? Now, it's important to recognize these headwinds because they're really the why. Things are maybe a little bit sluggish. You may have it nailed in terms of the quality of the product, your closing rates, all of those kind of things. However, if you have a whole bunch of headwinds happening, and it could be a collection of these things, it may have a negative effect. So maybe you're doing the right things. You're just having, you're just struggling a little bit more. So you have to be careful when you do recognize some of these headwinds that you don't abandon or corrupt your process. You want to make sure that you uh, are, are at least recognize that's what it is, and chances are the winds will shift if you're a little bit patient. So a few of those are, real quickly, one is some bad news in the media. All of a sudden, it could be a wrapped around the politics or something. It causes people to be a little bit nervous. Elections, for example, could cause people to pause. They just want to know who's going to get in and who's not going to get in. And oftentimes in this industry, it causes a little bit of issues. Weather may delay the work or clients moving forward. It could be just literally that they're just frozen in their home and not necessarily wanting to focus on home improvement. It could be a team team member that happens to be kind of on the injured reserve in sales or production. It could be a real problematic client that's just consuming you or your team that's causing you to get off of your game. It also could be a regulatory issue or change. Could be a bad apple or cancer kind of employee in, in the organization. That is causing a lot of what you really are very good at not to be very successful. It also could be some mistakes. You know, I think oftentimes if we have mistakes on projects that cause GP to go down, but also cause us to be distracted with dealing with a homeowner as well as dealing with the mistake itself. And there also sometimes can be more of a personal family issue, either with you or some of the key team members that causes, I think, a bit of a headwind in terms of your business. So a few tips just to highlight, how do you address some of these, I think, dynamics of really understanding and knowing whether it's a tailwind or a headwind, whether it's something that you need to dramatically change in your business or you need to kind of just ride it out. The first one is your numbers, knowing your numbers. Your numbers don't lie. If you begin to really focus on the key metrics and you predict what and forecast what they should be, and then watch those numbers carefully, then it's usually a good indication of, you know, on an annualized basis, how well you're doing. You might have had, for example, a very strong first quarter. However, it's a little sluggish in the second quarter. And you're seeing some of those numbers kind of averaging out to be just fine. If you know the numbers, you're not going to overreact. Number two is if you do experience a little bit of a blip, try to ask a lot more questions, why? Why, why, why are we experiencing this? And by doing some analysis on the why and not just looking in the mirror, but talking to either other remodelers, other professionals, or even certainly, obviously your team members and and trade contractors on the why behind, if you ask five people and you get four or five of the same answers, chances are that's the reason. It's not because you're failing or falling short. Number three way to address this is really have a business plan. Now, having a good, solid business plan that focuses kind of holistically on the business and all the key metrics within the business, then you really are more following that plan. You know, think about it in terms of remodeling project. You know, it's not unusual to have a little bit of a blip on a remodeling project, but if you have a really strong flow chart, Really strong game uh, game plan in terms of how you're going to do this project. You can oftentimes make up some of the differences in different points. Number four is when there is a tailwind, you want to make hay. And this is a mistake, I think, with a lot of remodeling folks out there. Is they have the tailwind happening, and they're 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 feeling at least they're on target with the forecasts and projections. But that tailwind allows you to pick up some speed gain some energy, uh, bank and book some business that maybe you couldn't have gotten. So I would encourage not necessarily riding the tide when it comes to the tailwinds, but actually making some hay in that period of time. And then lastly, when you do have a headwind, try to know about it and react to it fairly quickly. You know, don't let it eat you up. If you're not careful, you start to get off 5 degrees, 7 degrees, 10 degrees, 5%, 10%, 15%. And once you get 20, 30 degrees off where you plan to be, it's very hard to get back. So the sooner that you can, in fact, know you've got a tailwind or like a cyclist, shift down into a lower gear so you can, in fact, uh, preserve some of that energy that you need to be able to get through it, you're going to be more successful. So again, I want to thank everybody for joining me for this opening segment. Stay tuned. We have a great thought leader interview coming up here shortly that I think will help you even further understand and take your business to the next level. Take care, everyone. I want to thank everybody for listening to Remodeling Mastery. But just as much, I want to thank those that support this particular series. Now, first and foremost, I want to encourage you not just to listen, but to subscribe. And for those people that subscribe to this podcast or actually reach out to my producers, Surefire, a leading digital marketing organization, you'll actually receive a copy of one of my books that will help you take your business to the next level. This podcast series is actually supported by Professional Remodeler. Professional Remodeler is committed to help you understand and crack the code on your business. So I encourage you to try to spend the time reading the magazine and reach out to them and be a little bit more of a voice in the industry. I also encourage you to get involved, get engaged. The National Association of Modeling Industry, NERI, is a wonderful organization that I've been involved with with most of my career and actually had so many opportunities as a result of that. And lastly, certainly reach out to my friends at Surefire Local that'll be able to help you with your business.
1: Welcome back. I'm your host, Mark Richardson, and this segment of Remodeling Mastery is an interview, which many of you have heard interviews of different uh, individuals and thought leaders either about their company or about their own journeys. Today, I have a very special guest, uh, one that I've known for many years now. His name is Mark McClanahan. Mark is the president of Mosby Building Arts out of St. Louis. Uh, Mosby Building Arts, Mark will talk a little bit more about, is a full service design build group that is doing between 15 and 20 million in terms of annualized revenues. And I specifically asked Mark to join me today in addition to his uh, experiences and certainly many of his insights He also has gone through a transition, uh, a transition that many out there eventually are going to have to do, or they may even be in the process of doing now, where an original owner was involved in the business, was the leader, executive in the business, and then passed the baton to a future leader, which in this case was Scott Mosby, on to Martin McClanahan. So I want to thank mark for joining me uh welcome mark thank you mark i'm glad to be here so why don't before we get into the actual uh story of mosby why don't we start with with your story what's your background where are your roots and and uh, let our listeners kind of understand a little bit more about who mark mcclanahan is well, sure. I'd be happy to do that.
2: First of all, it's it's a long story, so I'll try to make it short, but I came from a completely different industry. I actually was in the music recording industry for 17 years before I got into the remodeling industry. And I had got into that because I had a passion for music when I was a, a young kid and went to school and got a degree in music. And right out of college, I worked at a recording studio and then fell into music producing. And And through that, I, you know, had the honor of working with a lot of great artists, both uh, regionally, locally, and nationally. Uh, got uh, nominated for Grammy uh, six times, uh, won an Emmy as well, and uh, through the whole process of working in the music industry, I eventually fell into running a small record label, an independent record label that was based in St. Louis. And at that time, I really kind of fell in love with running teams, and since as a music producer, I you know, ran musicians and small groups of artists. Uh, I was something I was used to, which was working with people. And when I was running this, the small record label, which I took it from really a single person company to 11 employees and over a million dollars in business a year at that time. Um, I just really fell in love with the whole game of, of running a business. And so when I, um, got out of the industry, it was really during the, the big recession, which was just a good time for me to say, you know, I've done this. I can check this off my list. And I reached out to my network and was fortunate enough to run into Judy Mosby, who is a 50% owner of, of uh, Mosby Building Arts with her and her husband, Scott Mosby. And I met, the, met her in fall of 2009. And at that time, they weren't really necessarily looking to hire anybody, but we felt like we had a really strong connection when it came to how we viewed businesses and how we viewed people who worked at businesses. And so she thought it'd be good for Scott and I to meet. And eventually after a couple of meetings, they felt like, wow, this is, this is probably somebody we should consider bringing on board. And at that time they weren't actively looking for, for somebody to come in and, and transition, um, you know, a new leader into the business, but they knew that they needed to start working on it. So in 2010, I joined Mosby building arts and that's kind Excellent. of how transition.:
1: Yeah. Excellent. Wow, that's very, very interesting and certainly colorful past. So why don't we kind of fast forward or, or push the rewind button and talk a little bit about uh, Mosby, Mosby Building Arts. Certainly Mosby Building Arts is a unique name of a remodeling company. Uh, where did that name come from, Mosby Building Arts? Well, that's interesting. So Scott changed the
2: name. I believe it was in the eighties. So Scott bought the company from his dad. His dad was Sam Mosby and Sam uh, started the company in 1947. Scott bought the company in 1983. And at that time, I think it was just called Mosby construction, but at some point shortly after that, you know, years after that, um, he decided that he wanted to be a little bit more intentional about the purpose of the name. So, he changed it to Mosby Building Arts, and the Mosby was the who, the building was the what, and the arts standard for the how. And that's really how the name came ab- about, and it was at a time when the company was strictly a design-build company, but that's where Mosby Building Arts came from, the who, the what, and the how.
1: So, fast forward now to who Mosby Building Arts is today. Sure, well... So we moved out of design build and started getting
2: into what at the time was called total home, which essentially meant anything that had to do with a home. If somebody needed some work around the home from repairs to replacement products, we started doing those in, it was probably around 2000, I would say 12 or 13. We started to think about that a little bit more and decided that we should probably be a little bit more clear when it comes to, who we are so that the consumer knows what we offer as well as the employees know what we do within the organization. So so we started dividing the company up into different pipelines. And so now Mosby offers a classic design build, Mosby Building Arts, you know, design build. We offer a kitchen and bath service called Right Kitchen and Bath, which is really just a semi-custom kitchen and bath service. And then we also have an exteriors uh, division that uh, primarily does exterior uh, replacements like windows doors siding roofing and then sometimes home makeovers
1: and the region that you primarily do these projects is the st Louis area correct that that's correct yep yeah. excellent now one of the uniquenesses I think about kind of what you guys have accomplished is not just in terms of the business and the business model but it's also in terms of this transition, the transition that uh, Scott Mosby, who bought the business, as you said, in the 80s from his father, transitioned and passed the baton and kind of ultimately made you president. And now Scott has gone off and lives in different parts of the country for part of the year as a result of that transition. So talk to us a little bit about that process, that transition that... Scott and Judy went through uh, in in terms of you stepping up into the leadership role? Well, that's a great question.
2: When I first started working for the company, first of all, I'd have to say that they had the mindset that they knew that they had a plan ahead of time. And so when they hired me, they really thought, well, gosh, Mark could be the guy. And after I worked for them for about a year, it was in 2011, they just said, okay, well, we feel pretty confident you're going to be it. Let's let's talk about what the transition would look like. And so we started kind of hand sketching it out and, and, and talked about the years. And, and that, that really came down to when, when it's got, you know, feel like he wanted to retire, when did Judy want to retire? So we kind of based it on when they thought they would want to do that. And in 2013 is really when the process really started to begin. That's uh, when the, the first year we put an advisory board together. And at that time, I was Chief Operating Officer, and we had a really good board at the time. There were three outside members. And we just really kind of worked on, you know, what does the transition look like? What is it going to, you know, take? And one of the things that we, we uncovered is that, you know, we really needed to kind of really make sure that we had the right structure in place and from a reporting standpoint. So through that process in 2015, I was um, eventually promoted to president, and that's when Scott um, changed his title to CEO. And then 2017, uh, Scott was, was really the first, the last year of his involvement. And he can't kind of through those years from 2015, 2016, 2017, he started to back his hours off. He started to do less and less. And also I, I want to back up to Judy cause I don't want to leave her out she was working uh, as kind of a consultant for the organization. And she had, as the, when the advisory board came in, she'd made the process of stepping out around 2013 and 2014 and 15. And then after that, after 2017, Scott said, okay, you know, I've seen, I've been kind of working with you here for three years now, you know, 15, 16 and 17, I feel really confident that you're the right person. I've got a good advisory board in place. So 2018, I'm going to go ahead and just, kind of step out and not attend any more meetings, no strategic planning meetings, no sales meetings, no management meetings. And that was when he kind of tried it on for size. And then Scott and Judy decided, well, okay, well, this is kind of working. So they bought a house down in Scottsdale and they're going to, they lived their first winter down there last year and they're going to live there in the winters and live in St. Louis during the summers. But that's kind of what the process was like, you know, through that, there was obviously lots of things that we learned when it came to how we needed to behave, how we needed to um, make sure that we were communicating to people clearly and, and making sure that we were aligned. But it, it certainly took a few years for us to get the dance step. It didn't happen just overnight.
1: So you you hit on some key words, behave, communicate, alignment. Let's expand on uh, at least the alignment portion because clearly – you know, Scott came from a different generation. Uh, needless to say, this was, you know, so important. His greatest asset was his business. So that alignment is really critical. So how, how did you, or how have you, or how do you continue to stay kind of aligned, aligned on the the vision, but also, you know, the culture and the actions that it takes to be successful? Wow, that's a great question. So like I said, it took, it took a little time for us to, to to
2: do this, but first of all, we had to be intentional about having conversations about that. And one thing I'll have to give Scott a lot of credit for is he did a really tremendous job of promoting me uh, to the organization, you know, promoting my value, promoting, promoting, you know, my leadership so that people around looked to me as the person who is really moving in. And Scott and I have different types of leadership styles. Scott's you know highly visionary, Um, you know, really likes to, um, you know, walk around the office, really likes to talk to people to people and, um, go, I don't mind doing those things, but I'm was very driven by, you know, getting things done and project management. So I I had to kind of learn to roll into that visionary role to kind of replace Scott through that. But I guess the alignment really came from us meeting regularly, having conversations about it and also understanding that Scott, in order to get what he needed to get done should work through me and not around me. So we really learned that early on where we found out that if Scott went to somebody who was either a direct reporter of mine or, or a couple steps, you know, skip levels down that if he were to communicate to somebody directly, obviously they're going to listen to him because he's the owner, but that sometimes would cause a little bit of conflict. Um, And so what we found is that the best way really for, Scott as the CEO and owner would would be to work through me and that way I could fulfill his vision. We could be aligned on the things that we want to get accomplished and that way we don't confuse people. So that was probably the biggest aha was just following the structure of the organization and making sure that we communicated on a regular basis. And what that looked like is we would have two meetings a week. One would be very formal and one would be very informal. And the informal one was essentially over breakfast on Thursday mornings. Um, And that's kind of how we handled it, Mark. Excellent.
1: Yeah, I think one of the things to point out, too, because I'm quite uh, friendly with Scott Mosby as well, is just as kind of a, a, an observer of this process, he also, I think, tends to uh, abdicate on your vision, your direction, more so than continuing to force his own, that he, he truly believes that Yes, we we have certain goals, financial goals, we have certain kind of core values, but at the end of the day, since you're going to be driving kind of this vehicle, Mark, uh, he believes it's important that, you know, it's what you want it to be, not just you, uh, you know, fostering in what he wants it to be. Any comments on that? I think that's a great point, Mark he definitely empowered me to
2: really step into that role and and i think he really was he was really smart when it came to that because he knew that it, it it had to really be my vision of the company when it came to the ownership now of course you know my role is to protect the financial health of the company and certainly the legacy of the company and the the um, reputation of the company and on all that was definitely discussed But also, Scott did a great job of letting go and and also knows that I may do things differently, but I'm also going to accomplish things in a way that uh, align with the vision and mission of the company. But I think that's a great
1: point. So tips, advice. Uh, Again, you've got a lot of listeners out there that have either are coming from the point of view of, you know, either uh, an owner who wants to step down but doesn't necessarily know exactly how to do it or you have some also kind of up and coming stars that you know really want that opportunity in the future what would be what would be having gone through this process and having a few scars and bruises so far and i'm sure it's not completely over what 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 advice or what tips would you give people
2: you know i i think there's three things that i would i would uh, advise people one is I think that you have to build uh, trust with uh, open and honest and candid communication between, you know, the owner and the person transitioning into to the leadership role. Uh, without that, I think that's foundational. Without that, I think that you're going to, you're going to struggle and that takes time. That won't happen overnight, but that is, I think, one important thing. So trust is probably the first thing that has to be built. The second thing I would say, and I said this earlier was the structure. Uh, just making sure that you follow the structure of the organization when it comes to how you get things done, because really the employees are, um, you know, they they want to do the best they can do. They want to they want to be aligned with what's going on, and if if you don't follow a really clear structure, that can really be just disruptive to them. And like I said, we made some mistakes that way, but be really careful about that. So that's number two. And I think the third one is one that I've actually learned from you, Mark, which is um, you remember that the, the 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 business is the patient, and so you want to yep. make it a win-win-win. You want to make sure that the the owners win in the transition. You want to make sure that the, the new leader wins in the transition. And most importantly, without the business winning, uh, the other two really can't succeed as well. So making sure that you focus on the health of the business um, being the being the patient.
1: Excellent, excellent. Well, Mark, this has been terrific. Any. Final advice or final kind of things that you want to share before we uh, sign off? I, I think the
2: last thing would be just that it's going to take time. It won't happen overnight. We've, you know, I, I think I shared the timeline for us. I think it, it felt like a comfortable timeline. You I, I, could probably go a little bit faster, but I, I can't imagine it going too much faster without, you know, really disrupt, disrupting the culture of the company. But just remember it's going to take a little bit of time.
1: Well, I want to thank uh, Mark McClanahan. Again, he is the president of Mosby Building Arts out of St. Louis. They're a 15 to $20 million remodeling organization that have multiple divisions. And he has very successfully kind of taken the baton and made the transition from, uh, from head- beginning in marketing and moving all the way up through and now president of the company. And uh, again, I-, I would encourage those that are thinking about this process, as Mark said at the end, it takes time. I generally recommend that uh it, it's best to have five to 10 years that you can start to think this through and get your chess moves in place. And I think the more that you give yourself some time, have a plan, you know, pick the right people, both owners as well as certainly the the successors i think the more successful you're going to be so again i want to thank those for listening to this remodeling mastery podcast series my friends at professional remodeler as well as NARI national association Remodeling industry and again surefire local produces this opportunity for all of us to learn and be better take care everyone
0: if you liked what you've heard Take a moment to subscribe to Remodeling Mastery on your phone using your favorite podcast app. It's available in all the major apps like Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, and SoundCloud. Go ahead and post in the comments what you learned and any questions you have from Mark, and he may answer them on an upcoming episode. Thank you again for listening to Remodeling Mastery by Mark G. Richardson.